0: Dateline, 15th of July, 2013.
1: Well, good day, folks, and welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 257. Grant, uh, you've been out tonight doing something interesting aviation-wise. You've been talking with those nice folks at CASA.
0: That's right, mate. I've been out at one of their seminars. Tonight was a general CASA update for uh, pilots, AOC holders, all that kind of stuff. And it was touching on issues such as the new flight crew licensing regime that's coming in on December 4th. It was also briefly touching on the uh, fatigue risk management side of things that's now in place and we've got about three years to act on. Then there was a touch on uh, electronic flight bags. And, of course, it's Jeppesen, Air Services Australia, or our very good friends over at Oz Runways. And uh, they're the three official, allowed, permitted sources of charting and uh, flight on-board information. Quite eye-opening in a couple of areas, not to do with uh, iPads and so on, but just in general with the use of electronic systems on board. Then there was also a bit of a touch on performance-based navigation and uh, how they're... taking everyone who does IFR. By uh, 2016, we have to be fully IFR with ADS-B uh, as opposed to the US, which is uh, 2020. And I believe Europe is around the 2015 to 2016 area as well.
1: Lots of uh, really interesting subjects that they touched on there. And I tell you what, Grant, for all the times that uh, we could be critical of CASA, and uh, you know we quite often have been over the years doing this segment, I actually think it's really good that they do this. They do these sort of seminars uh, semi-regularly, and uh, it's a very good way of keeping aviation is up to date with uh, you know what's going on from a regulatory standpoint Uh, one of the things i'd like to just discuss quickly there because it really grabbed my interest was uh, some proposed or pending changes to flight crew licensing and uh, grant there's been a lot of talk about that in aviation circles here in australia recently particularly with a lot of troubles going on in the recreational aviation uh sector at the moment what's CAS proposing
0: well what's happening is uh As we've already seen and as you've already taken advantage of, the Class 2 medical license for a fixed-wing pilot has actually been downgraded to the same level as a driver's license uh, medical equivalent. And so that means that it's a bit easier to get your license. So long as uh, you're not carrying more than one passenger, you're flying day VFR, single engine, and uh, you're under 1,500 kilograms as your maximum takeoff weight. That change had already been brought in. Uh, you, Steve, took advantage of it to update your medical. Unfortunately, if I want to go to commercial balloon, I definitely need a class two. I can't get away with a, a driver's license medical. Yep. But the big thing they introduced from our perspective on the flight crew licensing change uh, relates to when you're a student pilot, There were were that the student pilot license may go all together because it's just basically a PPL, a private pilot license with no real abilities attached to it. And what they're saying is that currently as a student pilot, you can progress to a level called the GFPT or general flying proficiency test level. What that means is that once you've passed that with an instructor's permission and a uh, registered pilot or instructor to actually check out the aircraft, you can go and take someone for a flight into the training area so long as you don't go and land at another airport. Well, what they're doing is they're formalizing that by removing, the GFPT, and they're bringing it in and line with the old recreational pilot license, something they introduced a little while ago that, uh, yeah, it sort of got overtaken by RAOs with the sport pilot and the Recreational Aviation Association of Australia, (RAOs) with uh, their management of licenses and aircraft and so on in the sport pilot category. Well, what's happening is that CASA are now saying that with the recreational pilot license, if you have a driver's license, medical, equivalent medical status, you can uh, fly single-engine 1500 kilo max takeoff weight, day VFR, 25 nautical miles from an aerodrome with one passenger. Now, if you have a class one or class two license, class one being the uh, real top of the line one, class two being the general um, aviation one, then you can actually carry up to three passengers with you and fly a four seater aircraft. You can't fly any more than that, but the 1500 kilo max takeoff weight, I believe, gets everything up to a um, turbocharged Cirrus.
1: Very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of trouble with RAOs who have traditionally managed uh, a lot of the sectors that will be covered, uh, it sounds like at least, by these licences. But, you know, Grant, it's uh, it's almost a case of what's old is new again. You know, sometime back in the last century when I started flying, uh, <laughs> there was you had a student licence, then you had a restricted private pilot's licence, which had yes. many of those restrictions there that you were just talking about, and uh, then went on to an unrestricted private pilot's licence, and then from there you could go on and get commercial if you so chose. So well, uh, very interesting there that it looks like, and we've been monitoring this situation for quite some time, it looks like CASA is starting to move into the increasingly popular uh, LSA category for uh, want of a better term.
0: Well, one thing they did point out was that you can add endorsements to your recreational pilot license, which allows you to operate in controlled airspace at a controlled aerodrome with a radio operator license. And even you can get navigation. So you can do cross countries. And basically what that means is that uh, this makes a license pretty much the same as an RAO's sport license. You can just transfer it straight across to a recreational and pick up those endorsements and add them into your recreational license. And as they said, it does appear to be a private pilot license by via the back door. If you go and get all those endorsements, you're, yep. you're practically at a PPL.
1: It will be interesting to see how uh, RAOs reacts to this news. Now, uh, uh, back in uh, our most recent episode, uh, episode 110 of PCDU, we actually I actually put a call out for uh, some of the warring factions in mm-hmm. the RAOs section, and it's it certainly has become a sector that's sort of fractured into a number of squabbling, warring tribes. I know I get some hate mail for that comment, but that's certainly yes. the way it appears to me, and uh, <laughs> you know, I was inviting people to come on and present some uh, positive ideas for, uh, you know, rectifying this situation. Sadly, I've only heard from one person so far, but anyway, you know, CASA is uh, watching what's going on here. And, uh, I think, you know, this could potentially be quite popular. And for all the, uh, the great steps forward that the RAO's sector has taken over the last, let's say 10 years, uh, a lot of those might now be, uh, taken over by, uh, CASA in a more official capacity. And who knows, that mightn't be a, a bad thing in some cases.
0: Well, I guess we'll see, mate. But, uh, couple of things that are Bound to annoy you is, of course, you have to have a PPL to be able to then add your night VFR rating. They're still keeping that separate. So if you have the recreational license and get all the endorsements, you still have zero uh, time under the hood. So there's no practice just in case you get into upset conditions because it's day VFR only. And to get anything else, you've got to go for the uh, PPL. Although there were indications that you'd be able to get an aerobatics endorsement on top of a recreational license.
1: Okay, so. We'll look forward to that time and uh, yeah, we'll follow that with great interest. Something, uh, a, a topic a little bit different to discuss here on the Desk, but uh, I think uh, something that uh, you know would be of interest to particularly our American listeners who, of course, already have similar privileges uh, with their uh, light sport uh, aircraft licence, or I'm, I'm sorry if that's not the correct terminology, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure a sport pilot's licence is the word I'm looking for. So there we go. Well,
0: there we go. Now that we've covered that one, I think it's time to get back to our regular uh, Australia desk fodder and
1: let's talk about Qantas. Well, it, it appears here that with the recent spate of incidents going on, on with 787s uh, seven, around the world, and with Qantas and uh, Jetstar, of course, uh, looking at uh, very soon getting 787s seven, of their own, they are looking very carefully at uh, what's going on with uh, particularly that one on the Ethiopian Airlines uh, aircraft that uh, caught fire recently at Heathrow. Uh, yes, apparently they're
0: going to be briefed by Boeing and uh, they're awaiting the outcome of the investigation, of course, just like everyone else's. But uh, yeah, they did want to reassure everyone that they're, they're being briefed by Boeing, they're going to see how it goes, and uh, they're going to see what comes up because, of course, everyone's really really, really closely looking to find out, was the uh, part incorrectly installed by Ethiopian maintenance? Is it a design issue? Was it a galley fire? And how is it going to get repaired?
1: Mm, interesting. You know, there's uh, an interesting couple of words being bantied around lately that in the last, uh, let's say, 48 hours, Grant, to do with that Ethiopian one. And one starts with hull and the other one starts with loss. Ooh,
0: Ouch. Yeah, those words.
1: Yeah. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll just touch on that one briefly. And another one we want to touch on briefly here, some news this week from the uh, military side of things the Royal Australian Navy this week, commissioned 808 Squadron at HMAS Albatross, uh, out there at Nowra in New South Wales, and Grant, they're taking on the MRH-90 helicopter, the Taipan. I've never heard that called the Taipan before, have you?
0: Yeah, it's the Australian name for the NH-90, it's being referred to the MRH, multi-role helicopter, MRH-90, codename Taipan.
1: Oh, sounds very good. So much to ceremony this week as the commissioning of 808 Squadron kicked off. This uh, squadron was previously commissioned into the Royal Australian Navy in the 1950s. Uh, and back at that time, it actually had fighter aircraft. So something That's... a little bit different for that squadron. And, uh, mate, uh, looks like that these aircraft will be eventually operating off the landing helicopter dock amphibious ships, the HMAS Canberra and HMAS Adelaide, uh, which will basically be a, a small-style aircraft carrier for the Royal Australian Navy, which is great because we haven't had an aircraft carrier or anything similar to it for a very, very long time.
0: That's right, mate. In fact, if you're here in Melbourne, you can go and have a look at uh, the Canberra as it gets fitted out over at Williamstown. And uh, I think it's great that 808 Squadron is back. Uh, It was originally a Royal Navy Squadron during World War II and got disbanded at the end of World War II. As you mentioned, stood up again in the 50s with the Royal Australian Navy and it was flying uh, Sea Furies and then Venoms during the Korean conflict. At the end of the Korean conflict, it was uh, disbanded once again and has been dormant until now. So Great to see uh, a squadron with a bit of pedigree coming back and uh, also good that these aircraft, they'll operate off our current landing ships, such as the Success, the Tobruk and the Choules. Very interesting about the Tobruk. It's been around for a very long time. And I do remember going on that uh, when I was around 13 or so. And a neighbor of ours was uh, Chief Petty Officer Engineering on the Tobruk. And he took us for a, uh, a visit. Um, It was on January 2nd and a few of the adults were a little bit quiet for for some strange reason on January 2nd, but
1: anyhow. there we go, there we go. Well, of course, everybody knows (laughs) that if you're going to invade Australia, do it at Christmas time because basically the entire Defence Force shuts down for Christmas. Or during Melbourne Cup. (laughs) And that's all as it should be, in my humble opinion. Well, I think that'll just about do it for this week. We'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarron. Cheers, folks.